This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. Welcome to Nitro Nights, a show traipsing from the first episode to last of WCW Monday Nitro and taking in all the stops on the way, pay-per-views, class champions and Thursday night funders. My name is Sai and joining me on this journey through this crazy up and down wonderful and often frustrating wrestling company is the always amazing, always awesome, always brilliant Scottish Danny. How are we doing this week, my friend? Really well, thank you very much, sir. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, again, I suppose looking at an episode of Nitro here, that when we pressed play, it just kind of flew through, didn't it? It really did, yeah. I mean, uh, like we said last week, I mean, they are really just flying by. Mm, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Hey, we'll jump straight into the show then, I suppose. Uh, this week's episode of Nitro rated 2.5 in the tv ratings whereas raw rated 1.9 so a win for nitro here we instantly these are the scores that were the ratings sorry that both shows picked up last week too just the other way around so nitro mm. this week have a, has a 2.5 compared to raw's 2.5 last week and the 1.9 has gone from nitro to raw this week quite interesting there mm. we start off with uh, yeah two I suppose slightly odd characters, I guess. The debuting on Nitro Disco Inferno, and he's facing the what well, the young German fella, Alex Wright. We saw Alex Wright on an episode of Nitro already, and I was quite impressed with him. But this is the first time you and I have sat down and seen Disco Inferno. What are your thoughts on on the opener here, Danny? This was a really good uh, way to kick off a Nitro. Um, 
to uh, mid-card wrestlers like this. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, the, I'm glad both got their four entrances. As, as we said last week, um, entrances are a big part of uh, Nitro, I'm noticing. Um, there's a lot of pyro um, so and a lot of gimmicks, aren't there? Yeah, I suppose, again, I'm, I'm going to quote you quoting Eric Bischoff here. You said about how he couldn't be better than the WWF straight away, so he's just going to try and be different. I suppose mm. offer an alternative. Here is one thing I feel that the, the, the WCW do better than than Vince's boys on the other channel is the entrances and the pyro and the stage sets. It just looks so much cooler. Like they spent mm. more money, I guess. Yep. And they had uh, Jimmy Hart writing a lot of their theme songs. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe avoid some of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alex writes here uh, at one point, he tries a springboard dropkick, doesn't quite get the timing right, and it looks like he absolutely wallops Disco Inferno. Because mm. he nearly falls off the top rope, but ends up two-footing him right in the lower spine. That looked like yep. it really hurt Danny, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, all of his weight just went straight onto the, the middle of his back and you just felt, you just definitely knew Disco had been had to be feeling that the next morning. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, we also have Alex Wright going through a bit of a repertoire of some high-flying moves that he does. He, he's quite an aerial competitor, despite the fact he looks like he would be maybe more map-based because he's quite gangly, but very, very tall as well. We see a high, I suppose, spinning heel kick, I suppose you'd refer to it as. A big crossbody from the top to the floor. But Disco Inferno eventually takes control. He dominates the match for the next few minutes, but doing nothing really of of memory or, or, or that's noteworthy, to be fair. He's just kind of, I suppose, the coin phrase we used a lot during the, the War Games match we covered a couple of weeks back. It's very punchy-kicky, isn't it? Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, one thing I did notice uh, and pick up on during this match is Disco Inferno had a bloody good clothesline, didn't he? Oh, yeah. It sort of almost crouches down a touch. Not very much, but just a little bit and springs up into it, doesn't he? That was, that yeah. Was, yeah, that's a really good shape. It reminded me of those uh, WWF um, Hasbro action figures that would uh, do the clothesline if you turn them one way and then they would, uh, you could knock down the other wrestler. Uh, <laughs> see, the one that really sticks in my mind for that is the Greg Greg the Hammer Valentine one. Yeah. yeah His arm is literally that. stuck out at a right angle, isn't it? And he just yeah. springs back. Yeah, I've got. I've still got that somewhere. Cool. Yeah, had, um, just, yeah post it on the social. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can find because we had... Um, I had like the, the blue ring with the, the sound effects board and all that sort of stuff when I was a kid. And of course I had the figures to go with it. And I had the warrior Legion of D all, all these guys. As I got older, that ended up getting passed down to my brother and he used it for quite a while. Mm. And then it got passed down to my nephew when he was born. And then from my nephew, it went to my son uh, so it's gone through various different people and I'm fairly certain the ring is long gone. I don't know what, whatever happened to that, but I'm fairly certain there's still some of those figures knocking around my house somewhere. Cause I know I would not have thrown those away. I'm quite a hoarder when it comes to stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. I'm the same. I have a uh, couple of suitcases uh, stuffed full of uh, wrestling figures that I'm just, I haven't been able to uh, find anyone to give to, but um, yeah, there's about 300 in there. So why? Okay. <laughs> I mean, what are we talking? All, all modern stuff, or is it going back uh, a bit? Or I would say late nineties to uh, two thousand and seven. So oh, all through I the two thousand. Some really, 
I bet there's some really random characters in there as well. Yes, Lou for the Reigns and uh, Mark Jindrak, all that type of uh, wrestlers. <laughs> Why, Lou for Reigns? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, the the match ultimately ends when Disco Inferno goes for a quite a big swinging netbreaker, which I think ended up being his finish. I I think I'm not sure. We'll we'll find out more as we go forward. Yeah. The the netbreaker though is brilliantly countered into a backslide to which Alex Wright gets the free count. And I, I love a backslide. I, to me, it reminds me of, uh, this is where, I said, I said something similar to this earlier on when I was downstairs and my wife just looked at me and goes, you saying such an old man. But this to me makes me think of real proper wrestling. You know, when you see backslides and so on, that's that to me is how it should be done. <laughs> does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> it does. It's something you brought up last week as well. Um, it's just like a, it's it's so logical, isn't it? Just to um, like do a backslide. I mean, no one's kicking out of a, a shoot backslide if you actually did one on someone. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess, I guess, yeah. Alex Wright's <laughs> obviously got the the long gangly limbs, so we can really sort of tie Disco Inferno up with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think overall that was that was quite an enjoyable opener, Danny. What did what did you think? Yeah, really well. I mean, I was I was really impressed with this is the first time we've seen Disco, so um it's nice to see that he started here on a positive note. Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. We then get I suppose as we mentioned last week, we get something that we enjoy. They've got to bring us down to the ground of a bump again, haven't they? We get Hulk Hogan cutting a promo with a neck brace on. And he's working out his neck by just lifting his head up and down as Jimmy Hart pushes down on his head. <laughs> now, this side uh, is something uh, I can imagine. I mean, I, I wasn't I wasn't watching during this time, but I can imagine if um, parents had walked in on Jimmy Hart holding the world title and, and uh, Hulk Hogan doing that motion, it would have looked a bit sus, sus wouldn't it? <laughs> it's not a good look, mate. It's not a good look. And it's, it's also if he has a neck injury. Probably yeah. incredibly dangerous. Yes. <laughs> you know? He he no sold that neck injury this entire interview. He was swinging his head from side to side. He was moving his arms up and down. Wait, it was hang like on. it was just there. Hogan Hogan no sold something. No. Oh my god. Yeah. You're kidding me. He he refers to the big show, Paul White, the giant in WSW as the big stinky giant quite a few times. I don't know if Paul White has any particular hygiene issues or something, or I'm not hundred percent sure, but he does refer to him as the big stinky giant quite a bit. And he also reveals he's building himself a monster truck, Danny, because obviously Hulk Hogan's a, you know, incredibly intelligent and qualified mechanic as well as a professional wrestler. He said, he's going to build himself the biggest monster truck ever. Ooh. That mm. sounds interesting. <laughs> it does. He then challenges the giant to, Machine versus machine, and then the title will be on the line. So he's effectively saying he's going to go into some, some form of tug of war with the giant and his monster truck and Hogan and his monster truck that he's not actually built yet, but he's going to build apparently. So he's been a bit presumptuous there, I think, if he's not actually got a monster truck yet, but there we go. <laughs> and then they're going to main event the pay-per-view for the world title. So there's wow. something for us all to rejoice about. <laughs> i'm definitely looking forward to that <laughs> we got a few more references as well to the giant being the son of andre as hogan says he's going to lay him to rest next to his father i mean why that's that's not good no definitely not i mean for years later the uh 
the big shows giant slash giants father would be brought up a couple of times and uh i just don't understand this fascination that uh, his characters needed uh father but yeah <laughs> yeah very very in bad taste i think we then get uh another i suppose promo or video package or whatever and it's a recap of the whole luger randy savage issues i guess from last week where savage was in the ring and luger came out and they had this long meandering rambling promo this is edited down this is like almost i suppose for want of a better term a highlights package or an edited version of of what happened the previous week but it's still rambling and, and nonsense even edited down isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is uh but the big thing uh, that came out of this whole segment was if lex luger loses he has to leave wcw and he's only been in the promotion five weeks now yeah so <laughs> it's a bit like i'm sure the fans were like oh well go back to the wwf <laughs> yeah i mean sorry just in the ring again and, and luger does come down and they end up having this uh, argument in the ring again and they're talking about settling it in the ring face-to-face, let's have a match and so on. And then Luger just volunteers that if he loses, he leaves WCW. So why would you do that? What I don't understand. No, <laughs> this becomes, uh, I'm sure this becomes tradition of WCW over-promising something and undelivering uh, something else. Mm, I, don't, I just don't get why you would, why, in the same way, I suppose, as Harlem Heat volunteering to wrestle a title match that they lose last week. Why would Luger just volunteer? Oh, okay, I'll tell you. Because Savage has really said, yes, we'll have the match. It's not like Savage... I understand it if it's, the, it's, if it's the aspect of, I suppose, what you had with Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania, where The Undertaker is saying, no, I'm not going to wrestle you. And Shawn then says, okay, well, I'll put my career on the line if you do, and tempts The Undertaker into it. I can understand that aspect. But Savage is already saying, yeah, okay, let's do this next week. And Luger's like, oh, and I'll tell you what, if I lose, I'm gone. So, yeah, well done, Lex. Really thought that one through, didn't you, pal? You know? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Just makes no sense, mate. Makes no sense. No, definitely not. No. But we do get a promo then for Halloween Havoc straight after this, don't we? Which is obviously where we're going to see, you know, machine versus machine. And then the title's on the line. Wow. You know? So at least we, we know a couple of moments from the card. Very, yep. very early days, Danny. But <laughs> a monster truck battle and Hogan versus... Andre the Giant's son. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the pay-per-view at this very early stage? Well, um, half dreading it and half looking forward to it to see how bad it was. But um, this uh, has been, uh, I've read in books and seen on uh, documentaries and things that they said that this was very much the Hogan show where he'd bring in all his friends that he made money with, like the shark and things like that, the boss. Um, but uh, since he couldn't get onto the giant, he really just what, had to just come up with his son, his uh, kayfabe son. <laughs> mm. So in terms of uh, Halloween Havoc, um, yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully the undercard will be better than the main event. Well, hopefully so. Hopefully so. <laughs> we then get actually to a bit of wrestling, which is nice. A nice little escape from these relentless promos and replays that we seem to be getting this week. And we have a fella here managed by Colonel Robert Parker, who is being referred to as Kurosawa, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. And he is facing the army hard man, Pitbull Pitman. This was an odd, strange match. But I think Kurosawa looked okay. What were your thoughts on this? 
Yep, this was a uh, a showcase for Kurosawa, clearly. Um, it was pretty brutal, wasn't it, uh, in terms of like a match itself. like It was actually quite uh, violent. But um, yeah, it was definitely uh, is a, like a, a glorified squash, but not quite. But it was nice to see uh, Pitbull again. Um, but I have a feeling we won't be seeing uh, him a lot more. Yeah, it, it doesn't quite work for me. He does this really weird kind of jumping headbutt thing where he just launches his head into the, into the other guy's chest. And it just looks, well, it just looks shit. <laughs> Very true. I mean, there's a reason why he didn't stick around, but yeah, we'll get into that. Oh, okay. It sounds like you might have some information I'm unaware of. That's interesting. Okay. Oh, what? I may have checked his uh, internet wrestler database after this. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing that when we get there then. Brilliant stuff. Yep. <laughs> We, yeah, like I said, we have the, 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 the silly jumping headbutts into Pillman's, uh, sorry, into Kurosawa's chest. But then Kurosawa takes over. He tears the mats up on the outside, doesn't he? He lifts up the yeah. crash mats and hits Pittman with a really stiff looking, almost slam back body drop kind of effort onto the concrete floor. That must have, that must have been quite no uncomfortable. Way. No way that, uh, that could have not hurt. Yeah. Um, Cobra Pittman goes with the code red armbar, but Kurosawa escapes. And then eventually we get the win with a German suplex and a bridge. And what I quite liked about this was Pittman was frantically struggling to get away or, or get to the ropes or whatever when he was in this, this German suplex net bridge combo. But he was just kind of sliding, which kept his shoulders on the mat. So it made sense because he was trying to escape couldn't escape lost the match again it's a sense of realism to it that i'm quite a fan of yeah it's something that you wouldn't see on the wwf at this point it was like uh he's really trying to get out of it he's like he didn't care about winning the match he just wanted to survive Mm. we then have Aaron anderson and brian pillman in the ring these two are talking about rick flair and I, i i love this we're seeing certain aspects of Pillman being a bit of a crazy loon already here, shouting at the camera, yelling his eyes all over the place. Uh, but Arn is just stood there looking cool as a cucumber, very collected, delivers what he has to say, talks about how Ric Flair has screwed everybody over for years. That's why he can't get a tag partner to face them. Uh, but in the past, it was okay because every time he screwed somebody over, arm was there behind him to back him up but now it's different and i i just think if if people are going to learn how to do wrestling promos that are effective to the point and again this word keeps popping up this weekend last but the, the believability level has to be high i think you, i think you should look at arn anderson because this guy is i believe arn anderson when he's talking yep Definitely, even to this day in 2022, he can still still commands a presence, doesn't he? And uh, this this definitely drove uh, forward the storyline that's been building for the last five weeks. So I was really happy to, with this entire in-ring uh, segment. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of Aaron and Pillman as a duo here? Because obviously there's appearance-wise, they're, they're quite different, obviously. Arn looks how Arn looks, and Pillman's got the, the wild hair, and he's, he's a bit younger. Wrestling styles, I suppose, are quite different. But here they are, side by side. What what are your thoughts as the, with these two as a, as a combination? 
I hope we get to see more of them because it's like a, um, a teacher-student thing, isn't it? Just uh, where they're just going after Ric Flair. They've got a collective uh, gripe and uh, they're going after one man. So I, I really enjoy them as a team. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like it. I like, again, it comes back to believability. I believe Pillman is a little bit crazy and mm. I believe everything that comes out of R. Anderson's mouth. R. Anderson, it, this isn't some guy playing a character. R. Anderson is R. Anderson. In real mm. life, I swear. <laughs> you know, everything else in wrestling may be predetermined. Yep. On Anderson is real. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I take it. <laughs> yeah. We then get our usual, I suppose, bump to the floor after a good moment on Nitro because we get a rerun of the Baywatch clip from last week with little Diddy Kevin Sullivan and his little red coat attacking the macho man on the weight bench. Again, I mean, I, I, I don't need to see this again. This, was, this wasn't this was fun the first time around. I don't know why we're seeing it again now, but there we go. <laughs> but that's building up to seeing the Taskmaster actually wrestle to a point. Have you ever seen Kevin Sullivan wrestle before, Danny? Because here he's facing Randy Savage. So, so let us know what you think. Um, I think I saw him on a DVD where he wrestled um, Chris Benoit in a really brutal match that went into the bathroom. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, um, yeah I remember. What, well, we have we got that to look forward to? Or yes. did that happen before? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. I'm looking forward to the storyline. So, um, yeah, uh, this match, um, the Taskmaster versus the Macho Man, I, was, uh, I, I thought that they would have built this for a pay-per-view as soon as um because th- this had a little bit of story to it not much of a story but a little bit and um yeah as uh much a man was uh making his entrance one thought po- popped into my head was how much money did they spend on pyro already in five <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the match man's kind of points and it explodes as he points, doesn't it? I thought that yeah. was quite a cool touch because everybody yeah. else it, it comes out and it just kind of goes off. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean that, that works really cool. well. But um, I mean, uh, we'll get into this match. But the main thing that really dragged it down for me, I'm going to let you guess what it was. Was it the bloody Zodiac? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 the Zodiac, who looked like Macho Man's tag team partner in this because they were basically decked out in the same attire. Yeah, um, I've got a note about that as well, saying that yeah. Macho Man has come dressed as the Zodiac, even <laughs> down to the tassels on the arms and the wrists and mm. so on, isn't it? Yeah, and when they lock up with each other, it's like tag team partners splitting up. Um, yeah, very, very similar look. I think uh, any excuse to, would have been... Uh, helpful to keep the Zodiac backstage uh, on this night, I, I would have hoped for. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, this is another, we, we yep. touched on it last week, but this is another episode where we're not seeing Sting, mm. who is the United States champion. We're not seeing DDP, who is the new television champion after Four Brawl. We don't see anything of mm. Harlem Heat and the American males who just contested the tag team title match the previous week. So there's a lot of talent there that's not on screen, which is great. I, I don't mind that. I think mean, that's, that's a, a way the NWA did things back in the day. They were territory days as well with their television, you know, Georgia Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions and so on. You wouldn't always see the same guys every week. Keeps it fresh. I understand that. Mm. But when we're not seeing Sting and we're not seeing titles defended or even the champions on the show, but we are seeing the bloody Zodiac, I think something's wrong there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Hmm, I think Eric Bischoff needs to get his priorities straight. But 
I mean, uh, even Pepe has more screen time than uh, the champions, doesn't uh, she or he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a line in this episode as well, isn't there? About uh, Bobby Heenan's stepped in some dog poo that Pepe has left him, which I thought was quite funny. Yes, and Pepe is, is is this is just a cowboy on this occasion, wasn't he, yep. Pepe? Yes, he was, yeah, or she. Uh, I mm. need to look that up with it, what um, gender it was. But, yeah, yeah, they had that running throughout the night. Um, if if Bobby Heenan stepped in uh, a present left for him by uh, Pepe. Yeah, that's it. I'm fairly certain Pepe's a, a boy, I think. that be a, It's a boy's name, I think, isn't it? I may be, again, completely wrong with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, Pepe's got a better wardrobe than I have, to be fair. <laughs> You know, he's, he's probably spent more money on his outfits than I did. But uh, <laughs> well, it was Ted Turner's money, so <laughs> yeah. God damn it, Ted Turner! Buy me a cowboy outfit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Zodiac early on that sends Randy Savage into the ring post. Savage sells this brilliantly. There's no funny banks. There's no flip off the post or anything like that. He just clutches his chest, goes down like he can't catch his breath. I think that works really, really well. Yeah. This is something uh, that was implemented in uh, TNA as well. In WWE, I think that's where the uh, bouncing off the um, uh, stairs happened most. But um, in TNA, they tried to do it's more realistic for them to not bounce off of them. So TNA, another thing TNA style from WWE was this. Uh, okay, interesting. I wonder if that's because there are quite a few ex WCW guys go over there. Like obviously, Sting was the biggest one that springs to mind now. Yeah, but the likes of Nash and Steiner and all that arrived yeah. there at some point as well, didn't they? So I wonder if that and, was from there. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, they had a lot of uh, backstage personnel as well. So maybe they uh, had something to do with that as well. Yeah, interesting. I never thought of that before. Um, Sullivan, with, with the advantage now, wrestles for a short period against Savage. Don't get me, I understand Kevin Sullivan has got a great wrestling mind. You listen to him on his podcast, you hear how 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 incredibly intelligent the guy is. Back in the, I think it was the seventies, going into early eighties, when he was playing his Satanist gimmick. Back then, with his uh, group, his stable, it was genuinely terrifying to the people who saw it. Apparently, it was really groundbreaking at that moment. However, here in nineteen ninety five, I don't think i have to i don't need to see kevin sullivan wrestle no he looks very old i mean he's 46 at this point but he looks older he looks much much older than 46 but he wrestles old as well he doesn't look like he's got i don't know if he's carrying a few injuries or whatever but hmm. i don't be seen like i'm digging sullivan out sullivan out because as i said i'm a big fan of, of some of the booking he's done for wrestling companies in the past and his podcast is very interesting as well but in ring here I mean, the Macho Man's 6'2", 6'3", whatever he is, tanned, ripped, got the ring gear and so on. And he's hitting axe handles off the top and, and, and all this sort of stuff. Kevin Sullivan's about 5'8", pasty as hell, got the whole bald head, Hulk Hogan, mullet style, blonde hair going on. The stupid painted on eyebrows. He just looks like, he looks like an old man. Do you know what I mean? He really does, doesn't he? I mean, no matter how much he tried, um, yeah, I don't think he could have kept up with the Macho Man here. Yeah, I mean, to put it into context, Kevin Sullivan here, as I said, is, is around 46. AJ Styles now is 44. <sighs> wow. So that's maybe a... that's something we're thinking about. Don't Definitely. <laughs> that's, uh, that's quite a revelation. Yeah, but there we go. The Zodiac gets in the ring, gets involved again. 
Savage attacks Zodiac, then attacks Sullivan, and then attacks the referee. All goes crazy. Savage is acting like a nut job. <laughs> Gets disqualified. Then the giant arrives, and the giant just starts literally squashing people. <laughs> we get we get baby faces come out one by one. They form an orderly queue. To be fair, you know WCW here. Uh, you know I know WCW has got the reputation of not being very well organised, but this queue to get destroyed by the giant that was organised. It really was, wasn't it? Um, this reminded me a lot of uh, in two thousand and four. Um, the Big Show came back to WWE after about four month absence, and this was uh, very much similar to that return where he just choke slammed everyone. And uh, I mean, I'm sure he would do this a lot in his career. It seemed like a a, a signature spot for him. Yeah, I, I think my issue with with Paul White, the Big Show, the Giant, whatever. My issue is he's he's very much I think been overexposed. Nowadays, it's different. He's older. His career's coming to an end, and so on. But the guy is the guy's seven foot tall. Obviously, he's here. He's got the long hair. He's trim. He. Uh, he can do a drop kick and he can also do a moonsault as well at this point in his career. I don't think we need to see him on TV every week. In a similar way, we're not seeing Sting at the moment. I don't think we need to see the Giant on TV every week. And it, especially when it goes into WWF, when, when he when he goes along there, we don't need to see him on TV all the time. And I think that kind of special attraction side of things that he had was ruined by the people booking the companies he worked for. Hmm. Totally agreed. I mean, just the, the it's over thirty uh, heel and face turns um, in uh, less than twenty years. He had, um, yeah, so it's, it's quite uh, quite scary. Yeah, you listened to that episode of Bang Bang Podcast as well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, big shout out to Andy on Bang Bang Podcast, Definitely. sitting there and counting all the uh, face and heel turns. If he did that, or if he just looked up elsewhere, I don't know. But either way, a brilliant bit of Dedication. information. Yeah, a brilliant bit of information he shared on one of the episodes there. Yeah. Find Bang Bang Podcast at Bang Bang Podcast on Twitter. Go check out their shows. Andy's brilliant. It's well worth a listen. Yeah. The Giant squashes everybody. Luger comes down now. It's a quite a reaction, to be fair. People are excited to see Lex. He comes out to, looks like, try and help Savage. But then he kind of stands over Savage. So is he siding with Sullivan? But then the Giant just grabs him and choke slams him anyway. <laughs> and he's got a match to uh, to have anyway so <laughs> yeah I, I didn't realize that initially it was that sort of oh yeah luger's in the main event against meng mm. and it's like oh okay i thought sullivan versus savage was the main event yeah it was hyped as it as such wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah oh just strange when <laughs> <laughs> luger's left destroyed isn't he in the middle of the ring yeah. here he, he's been he's been wrecked so Meng, another member of the Dungeon of Doom, comes out to take advantage. The bell rings with Luger still on the floor. I'm not sure that's actually strictly accurate when it comes to the rules, but again, wrestling, I suppose, is what it is. Yep. <laughs> uh, what? I mean, obviously, Meng was also Haku in the WWF for a while. He's also wrestled in various other companies under different guises. What are your thoughts on, first of all, Meng as a character? Or, or Haku, or whichever way you want to refer to him as, as a wrestler. Uh, and then this match that ultimately turned into our main event, Danny. Meng uh, is, by all reputations, is the, the scariest and toughest man in uh, rest, in all of wrestling. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's so many stories of him, like, chopping. I think the craziest one I've ever heard is uh, he chopped a lamppost in half with uh, just one chop. 
Um, <laughs> Why? That, think, that, that can't be real, surely. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's real or not, but or if that was someone just maybe peeled up and uh, thought they saw it. <laughs> but uh, what's the craziest main story uh, you can think of? So. Oh, Streif, I, you put me on the spot now. Um, I'm not 100% sure. There's mm. there's one, I've, I don't know who told it, it might have been Eric Bischoff, but there's one where Meng walked into a bar, somebody started a fight with another wrestler, Meng got involved, and he wasted like five or six of these blokes on his own. Yep. But it included grabbing somebody by the, almost like a uh, like the Mick Foley finisher, whatever that was referred to as, Mandible Claw. Yeah, he, he sort of grabbed somebody like that and ripped a handful of teeth clean out of their face. Yeah, that's Ooh. quite. Oh my god, that that you're dealing with someone there, aren't you? Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> he is a hard man. <laughs> yeah, what a, what but, a crazy um, dude. Yep, yeah, and uh, I have to respect him. He's still the WCW Hardcore Champion to this day because he walked out of WCW and into the 2001 Royal Rumble, <laughs> and yeah. he never, never dropping the title. So. Um, yeah, longest title reign ever. <laughs> Fair play, we salute you, man. You hardcore yes. legend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what, what did you think of the match then? I mean, again, it's as is the way I suppose with all these episodes of Nitro, things are kind of they, they sort of start and they're over very quickly. You kind of race through them because the episodes are so short. But what, what are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a standard main event, wasn't it? it uh, Lex Luger's selling was hilarious the way he would always scream if he's getting attacked. It's almost like he oversold. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did that his entire career, so that was funny. Um, yeah, Meng dominates uh, early, and he did a lot of chops and a lot of chokes. And he, I tell you what, sir, he bloody loved his headlocks, didn't he? And these throat holds. <laughs> oh, like the, the nerve hole on the shoulder. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. What is that called? I say, what is that muscle called? I don't think I've actually got one. But it's, uh, <laughs> what, what, you know, that's, is it the traps there? That's on your sh- just yeah. shoulder to your neck? That's all nerve yeah. area? Yeah. yeah. It loved- reminds me of Yokozuna. Yokozuna mm. used to do a lot of that, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think uh, it's a way for them to uh, catch their breath and uh, mm. uh, just uh, or just uh, lay out the match. But um, yeah, Lex Luger made a, a short comeback, uh, and the best thing about this short comeback was Eric Bischoff plugging the hotline, uh, which was a very bad timing because as the fans were getting up off their seats, uh, Eric Bischoff and, and the other commentators should have been selling this, but instead they were just plugging the hotline saying somebody had left WCW, so uh, making that unimportant. Um, what and uh, yeah, what did you think of the uh, match overall before we get to the finish? Yeah, I, yeah it was okay, it was, it was what it was. Uh, I like Luger anyway, just because he's just very stereotypical WCW and uh, NWA and so on. I appreciate he's not the most talented in the world and he's quite bland, but there's just something about Luger that I, that, that I enjoy. Meng, I think he's not really ever going to let you down. You're not going to get five-star classics from him in, in any way, I guess, but he's not going to let you down. He's, he's, a, he's a solid performer. A couple of things that stood out, the the pile driver Meng gave to Luger, yeah. that, looked, that looked like Lex would have had a headache after that. That, you know... <laughs> It was obviously safe as houses, but it looked so good. Mm. And also that nerve hold we mentioned, when the referee started doing his lifting of the arm, it drops down once, lift it, drops down twice and so on. Luger actually looks like he's dozed off. There's no facial expressions. 
There's no selling in the face. There's no gasping for air. There's no, I mean, I'm a big fan of Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express, and he was a mm. master at this. He would be looking out into the crowd and trying to make eye contact with, with fans in the front row and so on and reaching out to them whilst he's selling and, and dragging them into the, the whole experience. Yeah. Luger is basically, nah, sod that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a bit of a snooze whilst I'm here. You know, it's just, it just sort of highlights, I suppose, little, little differences between certain performers, I guess. Yep. It does. Yeah. Do I talk through the finish then, Danny? Yep. So uh, the finish is uh, quite standard uh, heel finish with Meng just grabbing a spike out of his uh, boots and just jabbing uh, Lex Luger in the throat, uh, Eric Bischoff said, and then just pinning him one, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which was uh <laughs> something i didn't expect um yeah is uh but i can i can see uh why men would win like this obviously being the heel and associated with the devil himself um what did you think of this uh finish si? I, I always i always get a little bit of a a giggle out of the whole expression of oh he's used the spike it's like what do you mean? Like, like a spike is like just a household. Like, oh, he's got a spoon. He's got a fork. He's got the spike. Like, yeah. it's just something you find all over the place. I mean, where are these got? Have they got like a store? Is it you know spikes dot com online or something? I don't know. But it always makes me laugh. And it always oh, he's used the spike, and it's like, okay, well, what is that spike? Where is it from? What is it? You know. But as you said, Danny, I think you're spot on. It it did what it needed to do. Lex, I suppose. <laughs> They're trying to build the peril, aren't they, of, of the Dungeon of Doom looking strong and looking mm. like no one can defeat them because Savage has had a bit of a beatdown from them. Hogan's obviously in a neck brace, the poor guy. <laughs> Luger had a beatdown before his match. So Meng had to go over here, I suppose, because they're trying to build the Dungeon of Doom up to be this big, powerful force, I guess, just so Hogan can knock them down in an X amount of weeks, I suppose. Yep. So Meng had to go over. But at the same time, he didn't. He wouldn't have gone over clean, because then that 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 screws Luger up, I suppose. So the spike was necessary, I guess. And it was just kind of just kind of there, I suppose. I mean, the story mm. of the match was the attack beforehand, I guess. Yeah, it was. Uh, Lex Luger definitely didn't look uh, come out of this looking weak. He kind of looked out, came out looking hurt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, so that's kind of the end of the episode. And we do actually get a random WWF mention by name from Bobby Heenan as well. Heenan says that Luger left WWF to come and play with the big boys. So this was was this the first uh, mention of the WWF on air? I think so. I think if we'd had it beforehand, I would have noticed. Mm. And obviously references to the other channel, the other side, and so on. And guys, your references to... Shawn Michaels and, and characters and, and wrestlers involved with WWE. Yeah. But th- to address the company by name, mm. I think this is the first proper reference, Danny. I think you're right. Yeah, definitely. I, f- I just found it hilarious that it was blocked out. The F was, <laughs> yeah. was blocked out. Uh, that was something straight off of a, a 2011 DVD because um, uh, I thought they had stopped that now uh, with the uh, WWE Network, but clearly they haven't. Yeah, I suppose if they've edited it out for a DVD or something, they're not going to spend the money or time to put it back in, are they, I suppose? So. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, yeah. That's the end of, of this episode of Nitro. We get told, obviously, we have Luger versus Savage next week. 
Now that does interest me. Mm. I'm looking forward already to the next episode of Nitro to see Savage wrestle Luger. Yeah. Because it's predominantly a guy who's in the WWF in the 80s when Luger was in the NWA. And then by the time Luger came over to the WWF, Savage was a commentator. And then he jumped shit back to WCW. So their paths have crossed, but they don't, they probably haven't wrestled anywhere to my knowledge, or at least not on television. I would have seen. Mm. So they've, they've already got me hooked in for yep. next week's episode. Same here. Same here. I mean, it's just, uh, it's something, uh, they've clearly been building for a couple of weeks. So, well, since really the first night I isn't it? So mm. Mm, yeah, looking forward yeah. to that. Yeah, I'm me, I'm me. Before we get there, though, we need to have a look at our highlight of the week and our low point of the week with our woo and our oh brothers. Woo! Brother, 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 brothers, brother. Woo! Brother. Danny, first or second, my friend? I'll go second this week, so thank you. Okie doke, mate. My woo this week, my highlight, my plus point, is the Arn Anderson promo. The guy's just brilliant, isn't he? He's absolute gold. He is so, so good. Mm. He to me, that's what a wrestler should look and sound like. Yeah. What's totally your woo, bud? What's your woo? Uh yep, the same the Arn Anderson, uh, Brian Pillman, uh, in ring. Uh yeah. The interviews were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um and what's your old brother, sir? Kevin Sullivan. I know it's a reoccurring theme. I either say Sullivan or the Dungeon of Doom or whatever, but I don't need to see Kevin Sullivan attempting to wrestle at this point in his life. You can find roles for him. The guy can obviously talk. He's obviously got a great mind behind the scenes. But I, I don't need to see Kevin Sullivan trying to wrestle on a, on a television, a national television show, mm. you know, at any point here. So, yeah, and the whole beach thing getting replayed just left a sour taste in my mouth. Mm. What about you, bud? Um, I'll definitely say it was Eric Bischoff plugging the hotline during Lex Luger's comeback because it kind of <laughs> took me out of uh, the match itself. I mean, uh, I, I don't think that was intentional, but it kind of just ruined the comeback for me. So, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, yeah I get you. I get you. That's a good shot. That's a good shot. I actually got quite drunk one night watching old WCW videos and rang the hotline <laughs> just to see wow. what happened. Uh, don't get me wrong obviously WCW doesn't exist and I'm in the UK ringing I got <laughs> I got the United States dialing everything and I was just sat there smashed and I thought oh, I'm going to ring it and see what happens it just it just doesn't do anything it just beeps and says this number doesn't work and that sort of thing so wow. kind of anticlimactic but yeah I was kind of hoping I'd get an old an old recording of Mean Gene Oakland saying oh my goodness such and such has left the WWF <laughs> well, imagine if he actually picked it up uh, job was dead oh, <laughs> that, that freaked me out <laughs> <laughs> oh that was that that would be scary yeah <laughs> oh god bless you mean gene brilliant brilliant yeah. stuff danny i suppose now we just got to give it a bit of a an overall rating for the show hit miss or middling where, where are you riding this week yeah definitely say uh mid on this um uh there was a lot more good than bad uh how about yourself yeah i agree i've, I've got a middle uh, for this one i've got middle for this one it's there's some good points but there's a lot more dungeon of doom on this episode than the last episode so that takes it down a notch for me so mm. yeah so there we go both of us saying middle for that as well so there we go next week we will be looking at luger and savage luger loses he leaves wcw i wonder what's gonna happen <laughs> 
<laughs> Danny, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online and all your awesome shows, my friend? Yep. So thank you very much. It's been brilliant uh, going through these. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggler. I may not sound Scottish, but trust me, I am. Um, <laughs> it's a gimmick. <laughs> yep, it's a gimmick. <laughs> um, and you can find, you can hear me on a change in attitude with the great Mags, Ori, and Tanner, where we discussed in the WWF attitude. And you can hear also hear me on One Man's Meat podcast, where where me and the great Chris Bellis go through the dusty corners of the wrestling world, so that you don't have to. And you can also hear me on this because I'll be back next week with you, sir. So yes, you, you will much. indeed. You will indeed. You will indeed. <laughs> really looking forward to. I, I, I know we're setting ourselves up for failure because we're <laughs> looking forward to something. So I know WCW aren't going to give us what we think and it's going to be a letdown, but I'm still quite excited. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me at SJP Words on Twitter and you can also join the group with links to all my articles and podcasts and so on on Facebook. SJP, all the shows and info is the group name. Seek it out, get involved there. And there's links to all my shows, the Waiting Room podcast that I do with Benny covering Quantum Leap, the Doctor Who pod I do with our good friend Dan Griffin, the always brilliant to record and do chain wrestling purely because, you know, sitting down every Monday night live and chatting to our good friend Magsy about wrestling is the highlight of my week. The guy's an absolute diamond. It's just, just great times, great times. So seek all that out. You can find all those shows, links to all those shows and so on at SJP words on Twitter. There's a individual Twitter handles for each show and links to episodes as well. But most importantly, you can find this show on Twitter and Facebook at Nitro underscore Nights. Simple as that, at Nitro underscore Nights. Chuck us a follow, get involved, let us know if you're watching along with us, let us know if you're enjoying this, what you're liking, what you're not liking. Anyone who says that they're a fan of the Dungeon of Doom will get blocked. But yeah, just just let us know what you're thinking and if you're enjoying the show. Danny, absolutely fantastic again, my friend. I will speak to you next week. Definitely. We're looking forward to it. Excellent stuff. And as always, to everybody else, thank you for listening.